0: Good morning, folks. Good morning. Let's worship together, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us, please?
1: The day glorious. You make everything glorious. You make everything glorious. you Everything glorious and I am yours. You make everything glorious. You make everything glorious. You make everything glorious glorious. and I am yours. From glory from glory to glory glorious and I am yours. You make everything glorious. You make be seated please.
2: Good morning everybody. It's good to see each and every one of you. Did you know that today is Transfiguration Sunday? In case you're unsure, it's when we celebrate Jesus's radical change of appearance while in the presence of Peter, James, and John on a high mountain. We'll learn more in the scripture reading. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and we'll have a short service for the imposition of ashes at 7 a.m. and a full Ash Wednesday service at 7 p.m. Our communion offering for next Sunday will be for the United Methodist Committee on Relief. Our next administrative board meeting will be March 8th. And our homework for the month of March is Matthew 7, 13 to 23. Today's scripture reading comes from Luke 9, verses 28 through 36, and it's telling us about the transfiguration. And today I'm reading from the message. About eight days after saying this, he climbed the mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along with him. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became blinding white. At once, two men were there talking with him. They turned out to be Moses and Elijah, and what a glorious appearance they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. When they came to, rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and the two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, Master, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he blurted this out without thinking. And while he was babbling on like this, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud that said, This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone. They were speechless, and they continued speechless, said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Shall we join in an attitude of prayer? Oh, loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and to give you thanks. We praise you for all you give us. May we always be thankful. Father, we open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed, and we ask that you guide us with your Holy Spirit, so we may shine brightly in this generation with your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: morning. It's good to see all of you here. I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow that it is to see all of you here on this beautiful morning. And it is gorgeous, right? We have sunshine again, yeah. Praise the Lord. Also, another rainbow I have is our fellowship dinner Thursday night. It was great. For those of you who were there, you can agree with me and testify to that. And for those of you who weren't, you missed out. And I would encourage you to come to the fellowship dinner in March, which will be on the 24th of March, uh, Thursday evening, the 24th of March at 6 p.m. Anyway, it was a splendid time. And, and great, and thanks to those who prepared the food. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for everything that you give us. We thank you for the sunshine and the flowers and the rain in all of the beauty of this world. Lord, we lift up those who need healing in their bodies, their minds, or their souls. Lord, we lift up those who are having medical procedures this week. We ask that you would guide all of the folks that are attending to them. And we ask for good outcomes. Lord, we lift up those anywhere who are in areas of violence. We lift up all our Christian brothers and sisters wherever they may be around the globe. This morning we particularly lift up our Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and the Ukraine. Lord, we we ask that the leaders of this world would seek and follow your will. Lord we we ask that you would open our ears and our understanding as your word is proclaimed this morning. Let us do as you told Peter and James and John on the mountain. Let us listen to Jesus and do what he taught us to do. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. This morning, we're talking about the transfiguration, when Jesus went up on the mountain to pray with Peter, James, and John. And the Scripture tells us that his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than any Fuller, right, could make them extremely bright, right? This is a visual manifestation of the glory of God, right? Now, what is glory? Have you thought about that? Our gathering song this morning, you know? Everything is glorious, right? So what do you think about when you think about glory and glorious, right, you might think about a glorious sunrise, right? And that would be, or, or we might use an adjective like splendid or magnificent or something like that. That's, that's glorious when we do that. Where do you see glory in the scriptures? Where do you see the word used? One I always think about is one we recently we recently read, right, in Luke chapter 2, right? There were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, right? And the angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone round bright around uh, and they were what? Sore afraid, yeah, sore afraid. Yeah, so it's something that catches your attention. But then Isaiah also says in Isaiah six three, it says, "What the earth is full of the glory of the Lord." Did y'all ever read that story about Ichabod Crane and the headless horseman? Did any, does anybody in here is anybody in here familiar with that? You know. I know Holly is, right? And I see a couple other nods. Well, let me tell you about Ichabod, right? There are two uses of the word, or form of the word, I should say, in Hebrew that has to do with glory. The word in Hebrew for glory is kabod, or kavod. However, you want to say, it. you know, in in many languages, a B and a V are more or less interchangeable. Uh, it's one of those linguistic dealies, I guess. But "kabod" means holy, but you know what else it means? It means heavy, weighty, right? If you think about that, sometimes we say what. If we're real concerned about something, we might say, what, my heart is heavy, all right? Well, it's the same sort of idea, or one of the ideas that goes along with the glory of the Lord. It's a heavy thing, and when the light shines around the Lord, like it did on the Mount of Transfiguration, or in another instance that we're going to read about in a minute, that's, that's a heavy thing. Well... In 1 Samuel chapter 4, y'all probably remember, it talks about there was a battle. And what did, and the Philistines, those pesky Philistines, right, you know, had stolen the ark, or they captured the ark of the covenant, right? And, of course, they call it the ark of the covenant because it's, it had the two stones of the covenant with the Ten Commandments on it in the ark. So, remember, the priest that raised Samuel, his name was what? Eli, right? Now, Eli was sitting outside the city gates there, and he got the news that the ark had been captured, as well as the news that both of his sons, you know, Eli had a couple of sons, right? Hopni and Phineas, right? They were they were preachers' kids, but and they were bad priests, right? They were they were rotten, no good for nothing, so to speak. That's what according to Scripture. So Eli's sitting out there and it said, it said, what? Y'all remember this story? Eli falls over backward in his chair and breaks his neck and dies right there, right? First Samuel chapter four, if you, if you want to fact check me. Okay. But you think, well, wow, somebody falling over in their chair and breaking their neck. But you know what? You know why he did that? Because he was kabod. He was heavy. It's said there. But then you read down a few verses, and his daughter-in-law, his daughter-in-law was, again, if we go, if we go back to the Christmas story of Great with Child. And right after Eli falls over and dies, very shortly, she has her baby. And you know what she named him? Ichabod, exactly. Ichabod means the glory has departed, okay? The glory has departed. That's probably one of the reasons that name really never caught on. Does Does anybody know? I mean, I mean... Does anybody know anybody named Ichabod? I personally don't. I personally don't. But, I mean, I say that because most of the biblical names get used quite a bit, if you think about it. We could go around this room, and a good number of us have names that we get out of the Bible. It's part of our tradition and heritage and culture, and for many folks all over the world. But you don't meet a whole lot of Ichabods, you don't meet a whole lot of Jezebels, and there are probably a few others that you don't meet that often. But Ichabod is the same thing. The glory has departed because the Philistines had captured the ark, right? Our scripture reading this morning, our our second scripture reading this morning, comes from Exodus chapter 34. Consider the word of the Lord. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Hmm. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. Sort of like those shepherds, huh? But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment, all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai." When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses that the skin of his face was shining. And Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God of all, God who made us and everything we see, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Wow. So, did you see that? Now, the first thing I want us to think about this morning is why was Moses' face shining? Because he had been talking to God, right? He had been talking to God. When we talk with God our faces have a tendency to shine. We are brighter. We are more energetic. We are radiant. There's a word, right, that we think about when we think about glory and, we th- and when we think about things shining. What's one of the byproducts of talking with God? Now, Moses was up on the mountain talking with God, and and let's don't forget something here. We, we sort of, we, we go in in the middle of the movie, so to speak. This is the second time Moses has gotten the Ten Commandments, right? The first time he got them, he comes down, and, and what are the people doing? They got a golden calf, right? Moses has gone off to see what God wants them to do, and Lo and behold, he comes back down the mountain, and there they are worshiping an idol, right? So, of course, Moses was real thrilled about that. So he threw down the two tablets of the commandments, and they were broken up. And then, of course, he ground up the idol and put it in water and had them drink it. So, you know, it's sort of like washing your mouth out with soap, I guess. But anyway, so the first thing we need to think about here is, is, of course, God is merciful, God is gracious, God gives us second chances, right? But Moses comes down after talking with God, and his face is so bright, he can't be around all the congregation all the time. Only when he was teaching them, it says there, did he have the veil removed from his face. Jesus went up the mountain to what? To pray, it tells us there in Luke, in the passage that Susan read a little bit earlier there in Luke chapter 9. Jesus went up the mountain to pray with Peter, James, and John, and then he was transfigured. He was glowing, okay? When we talk with God, when we go up the mountain or wherever we go, Our faces tend to shine. We get things from God that stick with us. There's another, I think, maybe subtle, maybe not so subtle thing here. It's that Moses went up the mountain by himself. In fact, God had instructed Moses there couldn't even be any sheep grazing at the foot of the mountain when he went up there. He was totally alone with God. Jesus told us the same thing, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says what? He says, when you, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door and pray in secret. Now, again, he's not saying we should never have corporate prayer, but what he's saying there is is we all need to spend time alone with God, alone with God, listening to what God has to tell us, to teach us so that we can take it to others. Solomon did the same thing, right? It said Solomon went to a high place. Remember, the Lord is always calling us to come up higher, to be better, to be more than what we normally are, okay? And Solomon, it said, too, went to what? He went to a high place at Gibeon. And what did he do there? He prayed, and he asked the Lord for wisdom, right? He asked the Lord for wisdom. And, of course, the Lord gave it to him, and we know that, too, because the Lord gives it to everyone that asks, because we've been reading that this month, right? If you want wisdom, ask God, and God will give it to you. So... The first thing I want us to remember this morning is is when, when we spend time alone talking with God, then we come back to others. Our faces shine around them from what God has taught us. The next thing I want us to think about is the fact that God wants to be with us. It's God's desire to be with us all the time, all the time, just like it should be our desire to want to be with God all the time. Go back to Genesis, right? Go back to uh, Genesis chapter 3, and it says what? It says, Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden at the time of the Evening breeze, right? At the time of the evening breeze. It was always God's desire to be with us. But we decided that we didn't necessarily want to always be with God. And God can only be in the presence of no sin, all right? There's no sin in the presence of God. So. when Adam and Eve sinned, you know, y'all know the story. They got kicked out of the garden, and God was working on a way to be with us again, with us again all the time. So when we get to Moses' time, and Moses comes down the mountain with the tablets of the commandments, they build the tabernacle, all right? All right. They build the tabernacle, and they put the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, and everywhere that the people of Israel went, they took the Ark with them. This is why, this is why it was so upsetting to Eli, because that to them was where God was. God was in the Ark. God went with them. And, and so when the Ark was taken, Eli died because he felt like God had been taken From Israel. That's the way that he looked at it. But we know God sent Jesus here again to show us that God wants to be with us all the time. Now what's this deal about the veil being over Moses' face to stop the shining and all of that? Paul talks about it a lot, and we don't have time to talk about all that this morning, but if you, if you want to read a good description of part of what's going on, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and Paul talks there about how Jesus removes the veil so that we can see what's going on. We can see clearly what God wants us to do. But again in the tabernacle in front of the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was a veil. Y'all remember that? There was a veil, and only once a year, only once a year did the high priest go in there, right? On Yom Kippur is when it happened, the Day of Atonement, one time a year. And the priest had to be totally... If there was any blemish, any sin on the high priest, he would be struck dead, right? That's why they, they, they tied a rope around his ankle. There was a rope on the high priest's right ankle so that if he wasn't holy, when he went into the holy of holies and he died, they could retrieve the body, because nobody else could go in there and pick him up, or they would die too, right? The glory of the Lord, right? The glory of the Lord was right there. I was singing when the, when the bell choir was playing this morning. You hear each, each, one, of these, each one of these bells, whatever, whatever they are, you know, G-sharp, or whatever, or, or G-sharp with, a, with a, an A-flat or something on this one, right? When you hear that tone, right, that's a pure tone, okay? That's a pure tone. And that's the, that's, the sort, that's the same sort of idea that God was trying to convey to the people of Israel through the law and through all the rituals that they had to go through. That God was pure and we should be pure. Or like Leviticus 19:2 says, "God is holy, so we should be holy, right? That's the idea. We should be holy to reflect God's glory to those around us that we're walking around with in this world. So Jesus came down here again to demonstrate to us, not only to die for our sins, but to show us that God wanted to be with us all the time. And we see that going on, again, if we, if we look at the growth of our faith and what God revealed to us, what 1 Corinthians 3.16, that's another 3.16, so it's easy to remember, right? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says what? Don't you know You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is down here walking around among us. And then, what happened when Jesus died? Matthew 27, verse 50, it says what? It says, Jesus gave up his spirit. He said he cried out, and he gave up his spirit. And then what does the very next verse say? It says the veil in the temple was split from top to bottom. Right? There's no longer anything keeping man separated from God. Jesus' death and atonement for our sins made it, possible for us to be in the presence of God all the time, all the time, uh, because God wants to be with us. People who go up to the mountain and pray and spend time with God know that God wants to be with us, and that's something that makes our faces shine, right? It should, that God wants to be with us. Okay, so Moses is up on the mountain, Jesus is up on the mountain, Solomon went up to a high place, and who else was up there on the mountain with Jesus and Peter and and James and John and Moses? Elijah. Oh, yeah, let's not forget about Elijah, right? Elijah also, what? He goes up to Mount Horeb after 40 days of fasting and whatnot, and that's where he also talked to God, that still, small voice. But you know something all of these folks have in common? They couldn't stay on top of the mountain. They had to come back down, right? Just like all of us do. We may have our mountaintop experiences, we may have a prayer time that is particularly moving or revelatory to us, but we still got to go back out there and talk to the neighbor, right? Or whoever it might be, right? It's just the way it is. But that's okay, right? Because when we go up on the mountain, we bring something back down with us, right? We bring something back down with us. Moses brought the two tablets of the Ten Commandments and the other teachings that God had given him. Jesus' disciples also brought down the knowledge that Jesus was going to be resurrected from the dead and the sure knowledge that Jesus was the Messiah, God's chosen Son. They brought that back down with them, and that's a good thing. Elijah, he brought back down from the mountain again, knowledge that he wasn't the Lone Ranger the only one left that worshiped God, and he also brought down some instructions from God, which he carried out. He anointed some folks as king, and he anointed a successor, Elisha, right? He got to do that. Solomon brought wisdom back down with him. So see, the good news is, the good news is that even though we can't stay on the mountain like Peter wanted to do, right? He said, Lord, let me build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Jesus said, you know, Peter, go do something else. All right? Because we can't stay on the mountain. We get to walk around and go through our lives and do everything. But the good news is, Once we've come down from the mountain and we walk around in our daily routines, you know what? We get to tell people that they're not alone. We get to tell people that there's a purpose for their life. We get to tell people that God loves them very, very much and that God wants to be with them and that God sent Jesus to die for them. We get to share the good news with everybody when we come down from the mountain. And that's something that should make our faces shine. Amen? As you go, shine. And when you do that, that gives glory to God. And do that with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.